Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right. Thanks, Becca. How are you? Berta, how's it going? I'm glad. So the reason why I asked is because um, this talk that I'm giving came together very last minute. And at the time where I, um, where it came up that I might be talking today, my computer was completely disassembled and on the bed back there. And I was like, yeah. I got it. So this is the first time that everything's on while I'm uh, going. So I'm glad that it works. I was nervous about that. I probably should have thought about that first. This pen that my mom made. Look at that. Look at that. She's crazy, I say. This was just like a square piece of, uh, I don't know, resin or something like that on a lathe. And she... Did all that good stuff. It is a beautiful day, right? It's a little hot, but we have, uh, you could see a new AC unit put in. It's super quiet and so super chilly. Hey, Ken, how's it going? So we'll give it a little bit of time and then I'll give a kind of a rundown on the, the change of plans and everything like that. I should... Ooh, since she has a lathe, I should see if she can make me a yo-yo. I'm a big, um, big yo-yo guy. That'd be fun. My, uh, my cousin, and my uncle and my cousins, they're, uh, metal spinners. And I've thought of, uh, seeing if they'll spin me a yo-yo. <laughs> As if it's, like, super easy to do. Just, oh, just spin me a yo-yo. It's gotta be perfectly balanced and everything, but. Still having the bright idea to drink uh, carbonated water when giving a talk. That always goes well. Yeah, I have, um, when I'm not giving, <laughs> when I'm not editing the movies for Revolution or uh, giving these impromptu talks, I I also stream video games on Twitch. And as a redeem that a viewer, like if they watch for a certain amount of time, they get points. And they could redeem uh, yo-yo tricks, and I do a whole bunch of yo-yo tricks for them. It's cool. All right, so we'll give it a few more minutes, and then we'll... Uh, and I'm totally down to do uh, an afterglow if people have comments or questions and regarding this or some Revolution stuff. I don't, I'm not privy to all the details, but we have some things in the works that I'll uh, talk about before I start my, my talk. Afternoon. Uh, yes, it's afternoon for me, too. It's 2 o'clock on the East Coast for me. Yeah, Jay's, um, he was just feeling a bit uh, overwhelmed recently with some things. And, you know, he's got a, a lot of things that he deals with, uh, like, for revolution and in life. And, you know, with um, family and the kids are, you know, they, they wear them out sometimes. So adding... It was just getting a little too much for him. And then yesterday, he was thinking of canceling service today and maybe just putting a link to YouTube for people to watch uh, older talks. 
And I said, I don't have much in mind or plan, but if I can come up with a talk by two o'clock my time, um, then I'll, I'll give a, um, a talk so we could still have service. So, um, this morning I woke up early and in the length of time that it takes to watch, uh, the movie Jesus Christ Superstar, I had something, uh, written. I think, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not that good, but no, Jay's good. He just needed a, a day off. So I was like, you know what? Tag me in. What's that? Uh, John Fogarty song. Put me in coach. I'm ready to play. So called center field maybe, but yeah. But Becca, I'm sure he appreciates that. Thank you. Yeah. He's, uh, he's doing good though. It's just sometimes, sometimes you need a little break. Uh, Long Island, where I'm from, as you could probably tell by the way I say Long Island, um, we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave, and um, we're getting like text messages from the power company like, oh, <laughs> turn your AC, I think they want it up to like 78 or 79, it's like, oh yeah, no, let me put my AC on to like 80 degrees, ooh, so cool, um, but these are low, low energy ones, so we have it pretty low, but yeah, it's been quite the heat wave. And it's like that disgusting heat too, like where it's just like it feels like someone just th like following you around putting like a hair dryer in your face and you're like <laughs> I don't know if anyone watches the righteous gemstones, but that's my my t-shirt today. Normally I wear some sort of punk rock t-shirt, but it's a uh, it's really good. And this song that the song's called uh, "Misbehaving." That's like their their like um, like Christian song that they come up with, and it's the most in in like it inf like ear bug like infection. It just doesn't leave your mind ever. All right, so um, I guess we could we could get get started. So I covered it a few minutes ago, but um. I'm talking today because I got a text from Jay yesterday saying that he was a bit, um, just a bit overwhelmed with some stuff that he's dealing with and go that are, is going on, and he just didn't really feel too up to doing uh, a talk today. And I said that um, it's like a very turned out. Um, I said I didn't really have anything planned, but if he wanted, I can jump in, like tag me in. And, um, if, if I couldn't think of anything to talk about, then we would just post a link to YouTube and people could watch, um, older talks, which you're still invited to do. I hope you stay, but that is an option. I didn't put a YouTube link, but revolution broadcasting on YouTube. Um, and so I kind of scrambled and came up with something to talk about. So hopefully it's good. And, uh, so we didn't have to cancel today. We could all still meet and talk. And um, but before I jump into my my talk, um, so speaking of revolution broadcasting, me and Jay have been like, you know, Captain Planet with our powers combined, really thinking of how to expand onto different um, platforms. So not just going live on Facebook and then later having the the VOD, the video on demand on Facebook and YouTube to 
live broadcast to all these different um, places at the same time. And I think I came up with a way with the um, the technology we have, the camera he has, and a third-party software uh, website. I think we could do it. And I think we could do just about any platform. So it would be Facebook, YouTube Live, Twitter, I believe we would have. Um, maybe Vimeo, but I don't know who really uses that over YouTube. Um, and possibly, it's a little complicated because they don't play ball too well, but... I might have a way to stream um, to Instagram live also at the same time. That's just, that takes a little bit more planning because Instagram live only does portrait. So we would have to make sure that Jay would be, <laughs> be in the center. So when you're on Instagram, you would just see him in the center, but on any other platform, you should see everything else. Kind of like uh, when they show like old movies on TV and they have the expanded... <laughs> platform so so that's exciting stuff so it won't be because i know for me i don't even have a, a facebook i have i use like a, as you can see a guest the revolution guest account um so not having it be on facebook would be easier for me and there should be a way i think to link all the chats into one so everybody could still interact with each other even though it'd be different platforms again instagram would be the one that's a bit of an outlier but so that's exciting. So if there's any platforms you guys are hoping to see, um, please just let me know or let Jay know and we'll try to make sure that we could cover all those platforms that you would like um, to see. I don't know what's involved in streaming. I mean, I don't know if Revolution has a Reddit because that, you know, but there might be a way to stream to even to Reddit. Like, so it's it's good. We, we could be everywhere hopefully with just one um <laughs> chris huh my space i'll talk to tom because you know he is my my friend <laughs> every he's everyone's friend so we'll talk to tom from myspace and see what we could uh <laughs> get get going with that but i think we should um be able to and so that's exciting stuff and so we're gonna cut hopefully that will help because as you know revolution has been um struggling a little bit uh with getting the the donations and the funds and stuff like that and and me and jay are still always kicking around ideas for that um he's got other friends that are much more versed better versed in that than i am who are helping him on that aspect so but that hopefully it will just help us reach a wider audience and still have a community um along with trying to get an actual physical space in seattle um after delta stops being a big jerk face and we can um get together again without severe panic attacks <laughs> so um so that's what's coming up in the future for that so my talk today um i like i said it don't make sense why this time frame that i'm i'm giving you uh i'm using it as a frame of reference but so i woke up early um, due to the last minute nature of trying to get this talk together. And, um, so it, it was, my whole talk was, it's all like scribbled in bullet, uh, like bullet notes that hopefully I can read just like, um, everybody else when, <laughs> when I write knowing it, when I write fast and knowing just for me that I'm going to read it, my, I look like a doctor's signature, um, 
but it just my whole sentences just looks like that. So, um, so yeah, in the time that it took to watch Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie, <laughs> we have a talk this morning. So, um, all right, so let's begin. I'm calling this this talk poetry of the deed because in my mine and Jay's uh, love of punk rock that that's a title of an album and a song by Frank Turner who is this uh British punk rock guy um I think he actually did one of the songs at the uh <laughs> the opening ceremonies in when London had the Olympics um so calling it poetry of the deed and so we could uh jump right into this bad boy if everyone's ready Uh, yeah, Becca, having a live thing. I mean, it doesn't help me too much because I'm in New York, but it just overall, even broadcasting from a live gathering just helps with engagement and everything. So it's really exciting stuff. So hopefully soon. But um, so if I have to refer to my notes more than usual, please forgive me because this is still kind of fresh in my in my head. Um. <laughs> so um when i was when i was talking to jay and thinking like oh yeah i'll put together a talk you know um it was kind of a, a ready fire aim statement on my behalf i was like yeah i'll do it that's fine and then i was like crap <laughs> i don't have anything figured out so um i was like but i always you know i do have like i spend a lot of my time thinking about this sounds like corny but it's true like a lot of times think about the bible and and about god and but it's not always in like a oh, lovey-dovey way it's usually in questions of like why and what does this all mean and so uh i was like i'm sure i could think of something but the problem is it happens to me all the time with like grocery shopping where all throughout the week i'll be like oh all right we need peanut butter we need hot dogs we need bread and then my wife will be like hey i'm running to the store do we need anything and since like I'm just so surrounded by the thoughts of the things that we need. I draw a blank. It's like a forest from the trees type thing. And I'm like, Oh, I can't think of anything, but all week I've had specific things that I've known, but it was just like two in my face. And so that's what was happening with. What do I want to talk about when it comes to God and the Bible? It was like all right up in my face. I couldn't think of anything. And I, I narrowed it down to two things and one is something that I just I have a heart for and I just love. And that are it that's movies about Jesus that are kind of controversial because they only show the human side of Jesus. Like I love those. And then the other thing was the song or the phrase poetry of the deed. So those are the only two things I could think of that were clear in my head. I was like, all right. If I could marry these two together, then we got ourselves a stew. <laughs> we got ourselves a talk. And so um, the reason that I like the phrase poetry of the deed is be when it comes to um, the Bible and Christianity, we tend to – we'll quote um, what Jesus said and what Paul said and what Peter said. Um, what Moses said, right? Because those are the most, like, we could use them as, like, daggers, as, like, we could weaponize those things. Um, but if we focus, the, the, we take the weapon, the weaponization out of them when we focus on the deeds of these people. 
And so it works really well with Jesus because in a lot of Bibles, everything he said is written in red. And so that means everything that's not written in red are his actions and his deeds. And that's what we can learn from too. And that um, with maybe the exception of Matthew, because that's a lot of his parables, the the black writing's gonna outweigh the red writing. So let's focus on the deeds he did and the poetry that's in um, the deeds. And so we're not just focusing on the words. And this is something that I've been really trying to um to like to focus on and to live in my own life because i have a real hard time with the weaponization of the bible and like <laughs> drive-by bible versing where people it's like they want to do their obligation or what they feel their obligation is as a christian or as a believer but not like the actions that go around with it. They don't want to get their hands dirty. And just one example of, um, from my life is so many, many years ago in college, I went to a Christian college in New York, Nyack college. And we had to, we had to go to chapel three times a week. And I think we were only allowed like three skips maybe a semester or a month or no, not a month because then you would only go once a week, but maybe just like three skips or something that that's all you were allowed. And since I am not a big fan of like the traditional form of church and like a chapel and a gathering, um, I would, and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm 18, 19 years old at that time. So I'm just, I'm not wanting to go. And so what had happened was, <laughs> with all these skips that I um, accumulated, they were not going to let me walk at graduation senior year because I did not go to chapel um, all those times. And I, I mean, I was, I had inside people that worked at chapel that would like scan codes. I would just text them my number and they would t type it in. Like I was there. I was really like, I was like the sting of like skipping chapel but it did catch up to me. And so uh, one thing to do to kind of undo that was to volunteer. If I had to do, it's not really volunteering. It's like being <laughs> voluntold. And so, <laughs> um, and so I went to the, the Dean and I was like, all right, well, my grandmother runs a very um, popular and helpful soup kitchen on Long Island called Serving Our Savior, and it was probably the biggest soup kitchen on Long Island at the time. Um, I'm not too sure the legacy that it has now, if it continued um, after she uh, stepped away from it. Um, and so I was like, I could do that. And I could, you know, it's a Christian ministry. I could actually feed people in need and talk to them. And, the, and uh, in true, um, like, churchy fashion, they're like, oh, I don't trust you um, because since it's your your grandmother, you could lie and not actually do it. We want you to actually be helping people. And so I was like, all right, well, my church is really big um, in music ministry, so I could get involved in that and some of the outreach there. And like, no, but that's your home church. That's the same thing. We don't really trust that you'll do it. So I found a, a thing called Lighthouse Ministries. It was a few towns away from me, unaffiliated with me or my church, so they accepted it. And I go there. And all they have me do for like a week of volunteering is I'm just 
moving literally like it's almost like a thrift shop. So I'm just like stocking shelves and moving refrigerators and I'm not doing anything to help anybody. I'm not dealing with, with anyone in need. I think, um, I was, I had to fold like flyers and they were like sitting me down. They're like, now we need a real spirit of excellence with this. Like I need to really, it's like, it's folding paper. It's like, it was like black and white paper. And so, you know, I was very uh, annoyed with it. But one thing that I, I noticed was people would come in and granted everybody's human. And these people that were coming in, maybe they were there all the time and just bugging the people that ran there, uh, ran the place. But I remember someone going to one of the head um, people and was really just telling about their story and their struggle. And the woman was like in the middle of doing something and was pretty dismissive and was like, the Bible says to forgive somebody. Um, And like, yeah, but how often this keeps happening? She was like, well, the Bible says 70 times seven, forgive somebody. And the guy literally like no irony, no anything. He was like, I have to wait for them to do it like 70 more times. And so the, um, the woman, she was like frustrated. She's like, oh, that's not what I meant. And just walked away. And I was just like, Oh, that's like a perfect example of like a drive by like Bible versing or like in the movie saved where she like literally pegs somebody in the back with the Bible. Cause she's so frustrated. And, um, and I just, that, that really stuck out to me that there was no love or compassion. There was no, um, poetry in her deeds it was just the word like just saying what she felt needed to be said and um but like me (laughs) i have in my notes that you know when paul was in prison he was still writing letters of love and mercy and grace but me when i'm like inconvenienced by having to do a um (laughs) being voluntold to like to do this to get uh graduate because of chapel i was like i'm not getting involved in that where i should have talked to the guy and explained and like had an actual heart, but, um, there was no poetry in my, in my deed there. So it was, it, it was a kind of hypocritical, um, observation, but that is something that, um, that I just always remember when I think of poetry of the deed versus the actual, um, words that we say. So, um, and maybe that's why I am drawn to these, what I, I'll say is like secular, Jesus movies, um, because since they're not focused on the divinity of Jesus, they are just his, his actions and who he was as a person. And, um, and it really bums me out that they're seen as so controversial because the two that I am thinking of, which is Jesus Christ Superstar and, uh, Last Temptation of Christ, Um, there's no ill intentions in it. They weren't made to shake up the system. They weren't made to do anything. I, I, last, last temptation, the writer of the book actually said that, um, he wrote the book because of how much he loved God and how much he loved Jesus. And this was the the only way that he could really think to get it all out there and focus and how we can learn so much of the human side and all the temptation that he like overcame and, and so that's a real shame that that became such a controversial movie. But um, the way I look at it is, you know, we're told all the time in church and and stuff uh, and by teachers that Jesus is fully man and fully human, I mean, <laughs> fully God and fully human. But then there's an issue if we look at the human side of him, then it's seen as kind of like offensive and everything like that. And 
I just don't get it because when it comes to especially Jesus in movies, the divine aspect of Jesus, we have so many of it. Jesus of Nazareth, greatest story ever told. There's a new one called The Chosen. Uh, there's multiple versions of King of Kings. Um, they both might be by Cecil B. DeMille. Um, and it's funny because the silent version of King of Kings that came out, and I would guess it would be the the early 30s or late 20s, is um, the best scene in the whole movie is a scene that just shows the complete human side of Jesus in which a, uh, a little girl goes up to him with a broken doll. And at first you're kind of like, uh, is he going to like heal the doll? But what he does is since he's a carpenter, he takes like a tree branch or a vine and he like sews it together and he just like gives it back to her. And that's like my favorite scene in the whole the whole movie, and that had nothing to do with his divinity. It was just his character. Um, you know, we all there's also the movie Ben Hur, which to me, when we talk about the divine movies of Jesus, that's my favorite because he's Jesus is in the movie passingly. Like he's just Ben Hur encounters him maybe like two or three times. Um, nothing's said or anything, but. It, it changes it's the whole point of the story and it's just uh and his impact and he's only in it for like I don't know, maybe like 45 seconds total um so i love that and then i mean there's even uh passion of the christ which i was hesitant to bring up because to me it's more i'm not saying this to be funny it's really more of like a horror movie than it is any sort of i know the heart and intent was to show the suffering but it just kind of seemed like ew. um and so um so there's a ton of them. So why is it so bad to look at just movies that focus on the human side of of Jesus? And so um, specifically, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, which is <laughs> – this is going to sound like the whole talk is promoting this movie, but it's not. I'm not trying to convince anyone to watch it. Maybe you don't even like mu- – I don't like musicals, especially a rock opera, but man, I, I love it. It's um, – and I, it's like, it's one of those like cheesy things that maybe you would see in a romance movie. It's like, I loved it before I even knew what it was. <laughs> Cause I remember vividly, the only detail I forget is the exact store. I want to say it was like Sam Goody maybe. Well, cause I think it was before FYE was a thing, even though now they're, they're not a thing anymore, but I was walking and there, it was a, it's a two pack CD and it was from the movie soundtrack. And so on it, there's a scene of the crucifixion, but then there's the guards and purple tank tops holding machine guns. And I was like, what, like, what is this? But it felt like, I don't know how to explain it without sounding cheesy, but it felt like important. Like it's felt like this is, this is like an important thing for me. But the, the weird thing with that is, um, because of its controversial nature, like my mom never saw it or heard it um any of the actual music or saw production or the movie or anything like that because she wasn't allowed to when she was younger so all she knew about it was she didn't know anything about it but it was bad <laughs> like um and that's that's kind of what what happens so somehow and it might just been that my mom was like thoughtful enough in breaking away from that or she trusted me enough but i somehow got a copy of it and even though I, it was a legitimate copy, it's nothing I hit. Like, I almost, I almost felt like it was kind of like treated like porn. Like, I almost felt like I needed to like keep it under my mattress or something like that because it seemed like forbidden and wrong and something that like, 
you didn't listen to in like the daytime <laughs> and things like that. Um, but to this day, and I don't know if it's just because the way that started out, um, it, I feel like I feel closer to God and the Bible when I listen or watch that, listen to the soundtrack or watch the movie than um, anything else. Like I could listen to a song of like hymns and uh, or praise courses and I won't feel anything. I could go to a church and be involved in their worship service and I won't feel anything nearly as I do about this from this rock musical that the sole purpose is to show Jesus as only a man, but like I get this feeling of like focus and it like just awakens my mind to start thinking on, on these things. Um, and I think that's something that was so important in where I am now, where I have, I know the importance of seeing everybody as just as being human and flawed and scared and confused because that's what all the characters were. And the, um, and I kind of learned too, even though the, the movie doesn't say it's okay to doubt, like, oh, it's all right to be full of doubts. Like, it's something that I, I learned maybe that I'm not alone because any doubts that I had, um, hearing being played in the, the, in the music. So it's like, so when I take a step back, it's, I, I realized the writer's of this musical have the same doubts that I do. So I'm not alone. Like if I'm thinking it and they're thinking it, then it's, um, I'm just not alone. And the, um, cause there is a paradox, right? With, with, with faith and with doubt, because we're, we're told that if you have doubt the size of a mustard seed, that you could tell a mountain to move and it will move, or you could walk on water, you could do all these miracles. But the thing is, in, you know, uh, I've said before, like, personally, I believe the Bible to be true because that's what helps me. I won't fight anyone over it. I won't do any sort of apologetics. That's just um, what helps me. Uh, Becca, Becca said my doubts led me to uh, deeper my faith. And exactly, exactly the whole, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. And um, so the paradox is, you know, a mustard size, mustard seed size of faith, then you could do all these things, but I can't move a mountain. I can't, if I walk, <laughs> if I step off a boat, I'm sinking like 1000 million percent of the time. So does that mean that I don't have, my faith is so small that it's not even the size of a mustard seed, which is almost microscopic in a sense. Like, so what is that, that paradox? Um, and <laughs> one thing that people, um, in college knew about me and my friends know about me, my family know about me. And that's, that comes from my love of Jesus Christ superstar. And later on in life, last temptation of Christ is that like, I am like, I have such a heart for, for uh pilot <laughs> and for Judas and, um, Peter. Yes. Um, I've given a talk on Peter and how I think he he's great and he's helpful. I find myself to be, um, in life, like I make a comment that I'm loyal, like to my friends, I'm loyal to a fault. And, um, so I don't think that like, that's the one thing where I'm like, ah, oh, I wouldn't have done that. It's like, I, I personally can't see that. I like, if my best friend and teacher was like, I need you to stay awake all night, um, with me. Cause I'm really scared that I would be like, yeah, no, sure. 
and just like fall asleep. Like, I don't think I would do that. I don't think I would deny somebody because, you know, I've been not nearly the stakes at all. There's no arrest or death involved, but I've been put um, in a situation where it's like I could either deny being friends with somebody or as close as I am, or you could admit it and take the lumps. And so it's, that's the only thing I don't have a heart for with Peter, but everything else I do. And um, so it was also refreshing though, to see the humanity played out with Pilate and Judas and, and all of them, because, and this will kind of lead us into marrying this with last temptation of Christ is there's a, um, a great scene and uh, David Bowie plays Pilate, which is also <laughs> also give me David Bowie anytime. And, um, but he's, he's like calm and he's relaxed and he's, you know, Pilate was in charge of this, this land and it's, it's an occupied land. So he's not like a good guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, yay, yay for oppressors. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but he's not like a bumbling idiot. You know, he's maintaining the area as free of conflict as he can. And so it was real. That was really shocking in last temptation to see him portrayed as someone that's so calm and smart. And one of my favorite scenes is, um, well, it's one of my favorite scene, probably my favorite scene in the movie, but when he's talking to Jesus and he's not like, do this, he, you know, he's kind of like, well, can you perform any miracles for me? Can you like show, give me something. And so Jesus tells him about this dream that Isaiah had. Um, he's like, you know, a, of a statue and the head was gold and the shoulders were bronze and the, but the feet were clay and the rock was thrown at the feet and the collapse. And as he's like trying to explain the dream to Pilate, as he does, how he has to explain his parables to everybody, Pilate's just like, no, and the feet, the clay and this, like, and he like finishes the thought. And it's not in a, a gotcha type of way, but it is kind of like, no, I'm like, this is what I do too. I'm, I'm a, I deal with Kings. I deal with governors. I'm not like a stupid man. And, um, and then with Jesus Christ superstar, we see Pilate as human, but in a, a sense, uh, in the same sense of he's ruling this occupied land and he's given this thing and everyone's like, we want him crucified. And he's like, well, I don't have, he didn't do anything for us to put him to death. So I'm not, that's off the table. And then all of a sudden they start saying like, oh, you're not loyal to Caesar. And all of a sudden we love Caesar. And he's like, since when do you guys love Caesar? Like he's very aware, but it shows how backed into a corner he was. And yes, of course, in a perfect world, he would have been strong enough to be like, no, you know, I'm still not going to do it. But the historical context of everything, he's got to keep the order somehow. And they, everyone's getting so unruly and he tried every trick he could think of. And that's why he's like, all right, well, I wash my hands of this, but I have this theory. It's a bonehead theory that has no bearing on anything, but that I believe that Pilate was one of the first believers that Jesus, um, said, uh, was who he said he, he was. You know how it's always the, um, you know, the centurion that, oh, this truly was the son of man. But like the Pilate, um, you know, so he would have dealt with leaders and kings all the time. So he would have seen that even though, um, as Jesus Christ superstar says it, you know, um, you like 
the Jewish people, they produce messiahs by the sackful, which that was an important lesson for me too, growing up that this wasn't like, Oh, how could they do this to Jesus? It was like, because to everybody else is like, Oh, here's another prophet saying that he's the, he's the prophet, he's the messiah. So it was kind of like, all right, enough with this, how, you know, you guys produce these by the sackful. So I like that historical thought of like, Oh no, he's not like this monster. He's just dealt with this, but he would see that, um, he, uh, that Jesus was different from, from these people. And, um, and so he writes a sign that says King of the Jews, right? So I always kind of read it when I was younger as like a mocking thing, but then the people, and maybe he was just sticking it to the Sanhedrin and stuff. Like, I, I'm not sure, but they, they said like, he's not our King. Like he's not the King of the Jews. You got to take that sa sign down. And Pilate said, I've written what I've written. Like, it's staying up there. Like, so was it just to, to rub them the wrong way? Or was it just like, man, I, I really, I really messed this one up. And I, I know it. I was backed into a corner. But this guy truly is who he says he is. Um, so I don't know. Like I said, it's nothing that I'm going to fall on a sword for. But that's why I like these movies. Because it gets me thinking in, like, a broader sense um, of the the word uh, of of the topic. And so now when, um, we talk about Judas, <laughs> my homeboy, no joking. He's not my homeboy, but it's just, um, you know, when, again, uh, I'm t calling this talk poetry of the deed. Right. And so when you talk the, both these movies specifically deal with this, the poetry of their, this, um, interaction, uh, between Jesus and Judas, to an extent that, like, I have it in my head, like, oh, no, they were closer than history and the Bible gives them credit for. Again, this is artist interpretation. They're the ones writing this. But we do have to remember that Judas was so close to Jesus that he, um, he felt betrayed. that, And he thought that Je Jesus was the one that got off course, but really it was his own misunderstanding, but he didn't know that. But to be so close to somebody that you feel betrayed enough that you're, you basically condemn them to death. Um, and the fact that he regrets it so much that he kills himself is that says something too about how close they were. Um, and, you know, and I've noticed in reading the Bible that our view of Judas gets tainted by these like, not extracurricular, but almost like these like parentheses, like these thoughts that are in parentheses of, um, you know, so Judas will have the same questions that everybody else has. Like, we're supposed to be taking care of the poor, and yet you let this woman, like, we could have sold this for like probably like 300 bucks and given it to the poor, and you're just letting her wash her feet with it? Like, what are you doing? But then the Bible says, Judas only thought that because he liked to steal from the collection plate. And you're like, ugh now you're tainting my view. Like, I don't, I don't think that he was so such a monster that he was like, <laughs> yes, uh, I want to raise this money so I could steal it. Cause you know, he's human, just like we're human. And when we do bad things, it's not really for the sake of doing bad things. I'm sure that if he did steal, I'm not calling John a liar. Cause John's the one that seems to have these like thoughts in it. Um, I'm not calling him a liar, but I'm not sure it was, he probably, maybe it was more of a, no, we could don't like donate this and help the poor. But then he probably was like, well, since I thought of that, like, you know, 
I should get some of that too. It's like, it was my brainchild. So I could see, see some of that. Um, and yes, uh, Becca wrote only true love invites betrayal to the final dinner. And that is, that's true. That's what we have to remember that Jesus didn't pick 11 disciples and Judas. He picked 12 and Judas worked miracles with everybody else. He healed people. He healed the sick. Um, it wasn't like he was on the outside watching everyone else do it because he was the betrayer and he, no, he was picked and he was loved. And, um, and the, the thing, the thing that comes down to that we could all, we all see in our lives and have to remember and, and learn is that hurt people hurt people. So he felt hurt and betrayed because he thought that, you know, uh, hate the, um, the being occupied, you know, we're full of um sorry my soldiers were oppressed and this is finally we have someone that's going to free us and break us free of these chains and then you know mid and so maybe he's seeing jesus like flip out at the temple and break things he's like yes my fighter has emerged and then jesus is like no i'm not this not who i am where i'm not going to save you from these people like in your life like they are always your oppressors and he was like felt that betrayal and so hurt people hurt people and so he was just um i don't know if it was specifically to lash out and get him back or if he was just like oh no this guy's off the rails he's he's dangerous and um that's also another great line that is in last temptation of christ that uh david bowie says as pilot he says he told jesus like you're just as dangerous as the zealots are and jesus is like no but i come with with love and um pilots like well love or violence it's all the same you're trying to change what people don't want changed and so that's very dangerous and um so maybe judas had that same thought of like oh no he's he's dangerous even though you know he was less dangerous when he was about rising up and overthrowing the government now he's he's more dangerous because he's just gonna let us get walked on and and teach us to turn the other cheek like what um, so the historical context comes into play and that's something that I never really gave a thought to, um, until these movies that, that took the divine nature of Jesus out of it and was just kind of like, um, I know calling anything a fact in the, in, when it comes to, um, the Bible, some people will laugh at, but in, for lack of a better word, like it just, it's just the facts of the situation. Like this is what Jesus did. This is how he acted. This is what he said. And this was the context. There's no, no smoke and mirrors here, no magic, no anything. And so it really is, um, an eye opener and, um, you know, to kind of, um, like tag on to what Becca was saying in, in the comments where, uh, only true love invites betrayal to the, your final dinner is if we look at Jesus as a human, uh, at the human size of him, we could take out this kind of like what I call like chess playing, like playing that four dimensional chess, um, in his life. And it just shows the poetry of his deeds and his love. So, you know, he picks, he picks Simon the zealot, right? He picks Judas. He picks Matthew who Jay has talked about. He's a tax collector. He's probably hated more than anybody because not only were they occupied by Rome, but forced to pay taxes to their the the people that are occupying them, their their captors or whatever. 
And then they got a Jewish man to work for them to collect this money. And so he would have been hated above hated. And so then he's hanging out with prostitutes and, um, you know, Jesus uh, cures the servant or like some people say it could have been this, um, the soldier's lover, not just a servant of a Roman guard. Like if you, if you take the divine nature out of things where it always seemed like he was playing chess, like all this that was done to prove a point, like, no, I'm going to show you how God loves, you know, so I'm going to pick all these really crappy people and, and I'll show you that I could love them too. So if you look at it from just his human ability to love people, it takes that kind of chess playing aspect out of it. And we just see a man that is like loving people that he doesn't agree with. And he's fighting with people that he loves, but he still continues to love them and invite them to, to dinner. He, he doesn't care if someone's, you know, he just sees someone that's sick and needs help. And so he heals them regardless of who they are. Um, and, um, and so we, so like, we don't see them as like these divine teaching moments. We just see something that we can learn from and it shows what we're capable of. And there's this movie, um, not religious at all. It's called, um, the edge where it's, uh, Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins, um, they, there's a plane crash in Alaska and they're trying to survive and find their way home. But all the while they're being pursued by um, a bear, like a man-eating bear who has already killed one of their friends. And so the fact that it, the bear just keeps hunting them and tracing them, they're like, we have nothing to do, but we have to kill this bear. And um, Alec Baldwin is like, how are we going to kill a bear? We're just two people. And then... Um, Anthony Hopkins goes on this talk where he's basically like people have killed bears before, you know, young, young soldiers in Africa, they kill lions with spears. You know, people, hunters have killed bears before there was guns. They've done it. And there comes the line, what one man can do, another can do. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, done only one time. The fact that a human being did this means that it's, that all humans are capable of achieving this feat, right? That's what like doing a four minute mile was like impossible until the first person did it. And then everybody was breaking every like, like professional runner was breaking the four minute mile because what one man could do, another can do. Um, and so, you know, in the, was it Iron Man two, they say, you know, if you can make God bleed, people stop being afraid of him. And it's kind of that same mindset. And that really, makes the that phrase what would jesus do more obtainable because to me it's like i don't know what would a perfect person that's fully god do in my situation now he would never be in this situation um but when we think of him as a man we're like oh well what one man can do another can do if he could love his captors like we could love our our neighbor and our enemies if if he's betrayed, but he still eats with them and, and loves them and forgives them, like we could do that because what one man could do, another can do. And um, so another thing that this helped me do was it would be <laughs> we would be lying to ourselves to say that Jesus did not have controversial moments in the Bible. And um, so when we see them 
through the eyes of Jesus as a, just the human side of Jesus. And again, I'm not taking away any of the divine stuff. It's just like, we have that. We, we, we've been hammered over the head with that. So let's just focus on this aspect of things. Um, it, it helps soften the moments and makes them more understood. You know, the woman's caught in adultery and they're going to kill her. And Jesus just like doesn't care. He's just like sitting there until people are like, hey, man, you got to get involved in this because they're going to kill her. And what that helped me see is like, oh, like Jesus, he's not going to he doesn't care about like morality. Like, yeah, he doesn't want you to be like a crappy person, but he doesn't. Um, but he doesn't care like the way that we think he cares. You know, that would be a, <laughs> a good uh, title for a sermon, right? Jesus doesn't, <laughs> Jesus doesn't care about you the way you think he does, but I don't mean it like that, but it, in a sense, he doesn't care the way that we imagine him caring because he doesn't care that this woman was committing adultery. He was just like, all right, well, let's not, let's not kill her over this, you know? Um, and he does say like, you know, go and sin no more, but he's not like, or else he's just like, Basically, like, see what almost happened? Like, don't put yourself in that situation again. And and even so, he's not like, nobody touch her. He just kind of hits them with the, you know what? Fine. You want to kill her? Go ahead. But um, to break the ice, only people that have not done this, what she's did, you you get to throw the first stone. After that, everybody have, <laughs> have fun. And everyone's like, oh, oh, God, I've done this. So why am I? I can't do it. And so it's just... um. So that it it helps to to see that he doesn't he's he's not focused on those things like and also he's so he's just like writing in the sand no one knows what he's writing you know movies have put that he puts like everybody's individual sins in the like uh, in the sand but I think he's probably just drawing like he doesn't he's probably thinking of some concept of love that we don't understand and how to deeply explain it to these people so that they get it because they're just constantly misunderstanding him and then so he's like i don't care about she was having sex with other people like i don't care like but you should because he um he wanted to um because they want to kill her and we don't want that and becca again said a perfect example lazarus as well yeah it's like well he's Well, he's not dead. He's only sleeping anyways, but he's dead. He's like, well, oh, yes, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Let me take care of these things. Um, we see the, um, let's see, the the fig tree, right? That was another controversial moment where he's like, oh, a this tree is, and it's, so it's it's framed that he sees a fig tree that looks like it's in bloom. And he's hungry, so he goes to it, and there's no figs. The Bible itself says, because it's not fig season. So that was something that I don't know what his mindset was. But he's so annoyed with it that he just curses the fig tree, and then it dies the next day. And you're like, what? Like, And of course, he, being Jesus and the divine aspect coming in, can spin this to be a greater message. I'm not saying that, that was his intent the whole time. It kind of seems like he was... Um, hangry you know like um he was just hungry and um probably thinking about not eating for 40 days you know earlier and he was like you know what i'm really needing these figs and then he's like son of a you know what (laughs) i curse you you die but um if we see like 
a human side of him. It's like, oh, he just kind of like lost it there for a bit. Like, and that helps us realize that there's nothing really wrong with losing it for a little bit and being tired or overwhelmed. And, um, you know, a, a story that Jay has brought up in the past is the, um, in Matthew 15, when, uh, Jesus is healing people and a woman is like, help my daughter's sick. My daughter's sick. And the, the disciple, they're not helping this woman. And the disciples like, she's been following us forever. And Jesus is like, well, I'm, I'm here to help our people, right? It's very weird because he's telling you about the Good Samaritans. And if they're your enemy, like, don't, you know, you still love them. And they could, they could still do good, even though they're not, you know, of your race and you hate them. And then all of a sudden he's saying like, no, like, I'm here to take care of our people. Like, why should I give take care of the dogs as well, which like, what? Like, what are you doing? But the woman says like, come on, like dogs get scraps and crumbs from the table, don't they? And then that was kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I lost my cool there. Like, thank you very much. And it might be hard to hear that because you're like, oh, Jesus never made a mistake. But it's like, but is making a mistake, does making a mistake make you not perfect? Does making a mistake not, it, like, does that equal sin? Like mistakes are made all the time, you know, um, I don't know how true this is, but I heard that the value of a diamond comes mostly from its flaws because a perfect, a diamond that was flawless would be bland and boring. You know, of course you want certain amount of aspects to it, but it's actually the flaws in the diamond that give it its perfection. Um, and then, you know, we see Jesus losing his temp, uh, his temper at the temp, his temper at the temple when he's like cleansing it because he's just losing his mind that these people are, you know, treating this like a, a house of thieves and when it should be a, a place of a place of prayer. And, um, we see him kind of, and this is like rightfully, so. all these things are rightfully. So I'm not trying to diminish anything, but you know, we have him on one hand when he's feeling very calm and, um, he's teaching and he's got like some divine presence to him. He's talking like, turn the other cheek. If someone hits you, offer him your other cheek. But then later on, when he's uh, getting questioned by Pilate, he's not answering uh, or Herod one like he's, and he's not answering. And so a soldier hits him with the butt of the spear right across the face. And Jesus, he's like, Hey, Hey, if I did anything wrong, then you could hit me. But if I didn't do anything wrong, don't hit me. Like, what are you doing? And so, um, all these things, it's just like, I don't know. It gives me comfort <laughs> to be like, oh, like, what would Jesus do? Because like, this is something I could obtain. This is what one man could do, another can do. And also, like I said, mistakes don't equal sin. I have this again, uh, <laughs> my all my bonehead theories, right? So, Jesus is walking on water miracle. I take as an oversight because getting home from where they were was something that he never would have had to worry about. Like if we're going somewhere and we don't have a car, of course we're like, Oh, how are we going to get home? And we think of that beforehand, but he's feeding 5,000 people. And he's still like, I got to go pray. I got to help. I got to see these people off. I got to go pray. You guys go, go leave. I'll, you know, I'll catch up with you later. And I get, no one kind of thought maybe of like, mm, <laughs> I don't know how, how you intend to do that. Or maybe they were supposed to go and come back, but they couldn't make it. And so I just see Jesus. He's like, does all the stuff. He finishes praying. He's tired and he gets down to the shore and he's like, well, damn it. <laughs> like, where is, I can't, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, oh, well, I'm God. What, I'll just walk across the water. I don't care. And so I said that theory to somebody 
and they said, oh, but you're saying that Jesus wasn't perfect and, you know, not sinless and he makes mistakes. And it's like, well, would being absent-minded, would not focusing on how you're going to get home, is that a sin? Does that make you not perfect because you didn't think of like an exit strategy for after you're done feeding 5,000 people? Like, how is that equal a sin? I just think that he was, he's got a lot on his mind. And so like, if you didn't have to worry about the, the laws of physics, why would you care? And so he's just like, well, well I can just walk out to the boat. I don't care. <laughs> like, um, and so I say all this to uh, about the human side of Jesus from these movies and, and my own and thoughts because our weakness is our strength. And you might think like, oh, that's a nice like plaque that you would put up and, um, you know, <laughs> kind of like live, laugh, love vibe. But it is what Paul says. Paul writes this in Second uh, Corinthians that his weakness is his strength. He says it multiple times. Um, and... Um, along with that, we learn that the, um, that the divine aspect of things only goes so far, right? Because the, he, the letters to Corinthians were written because Paul set up a church in Corinth and then like, I don't know, within three or four years, the whole thing went to hell. Like they're not, um, they're just fighting and biting each other. It was just all bad things and so he had to keep going back yeah i think he went like three times i think he wrote three letters maybe one we don't know of but it's referenced like in my last letter but it wasn't in the last letter um but he says in uh, i believe it's second corinthians that like you guys have seen me basically he kind of says in a way like i was a circus monkey for you guys i did all these the, these miracles to show you i did all these things and like look what happens you guys all it all just went to hell like when I left and we see it with Moses, right in the desert, they're seeing the seas are splitting. There's, you know, fire guiding them by night and clouds by day. And it's raining food from heaven. And they're seeing water come from a rock. And then the second that Moses is gone longer than they think he should be they're like, Oh, there is no God. Let's make a golden calf and worship it. And it'll help us. And so you know, it's not like people see miracles and the divine nature of things and they go like, oh, I'm changed forever. And maybe that's why Jesus doesn't give in when, you know, Pilate and Herod are like, hey, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar says, prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. You know, um, if you do this for me, then I'll let you go free. And he was just like, no, I'm good. Because he probably knows that it's not going to do anything. It's not going to change um, anything because, um, this is something that occurred to me and I was very, very excited about it is like Jesus miracles aren't anything to him, right? He doesn't break a sweat when he has to do miracles. He casts out demons with words. He heals people with a touch. Um, but when he has to be human, like in the garden, when he has to be human, he starts sweating blood cause he's just, he can't, it's so nerve wracking and he's so scared that his capillaries open up and he starts sweating blood. So like doing miracles is nothing to him, but being human is like everything for him. So, um, David Mamet, the guy that wrote the, um, that movie, the edge that I was talking about, he's not, he doesn't seem like the greatest dude, but his writing, uh, I do love a lot of it. And, um, but he was talking about the hero's journey and he was saying that like, with the example of Jesus, like, 
the hero's journey is not for Jesus was not the miracles and all that he did. His hero's journey was leaving the garden to face what was coming. That that was the hardest thing that he had to do. And that's just something that occurred to me. Um, like I forget that was like a locked in my my head, you know, like Moses up in the mountain talking to God getting the Ten Commandments. That's nothing. His hero's journey is leaving that comfort, leaving that presence and going down to be human without that support, without that behind him. And so the same thing with Jesus. So um, the divine nature is not really anything to to him. It was just like kind of like, oh, yeah, you want to you want to see? Boom, you can see you want to walk. Boom, you can walk. Um, you know, you're bleeding constantly woman here, just touch my cloak. You're, you're fine. And, um, but when it comes to be doing what a human has to do and what he has to do as a human, he can't, he's like throwing up, he's sick to death. He, um, so it's not easy. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart what we do. Right. Um, but, but that's a beautiful thing. That's the poetry of his deed of coming down out of the garden to face his captors and the arrest that's coming. Right. Because his weakness is his greatest strength. Like Paul said. And so the same thing, you know, I'll, I'll breeze through this thing with, with Paul too. Paul is probably one of the most quoted as, you know, daggers of like, oh, you know, this, I could judge you because the Bible says this and this and this and this. And a lot of it uh, does come from uh, the, um, the, um, the pastoral epistles, which, you know, Jay does, does not like, and he's kind of getting to me on like, oh yeah, no, I don't think I like that either. Um, but the, um, so we use that, but like, but the poetry in his deeds, right? Like how much he suffered, right? So he's still writing letters from jail to people of love and help in the, the letter of, um, Philemon, which a book, to be honest, I forgot was in the Bible until like, uh, an hour ago. Um, he, he's like helping, like, I know this, your slave stole from you and he ran away, but I found him, you know, uh he's a new person. He's changed. He's like, please take him back. Like all this stuff he's doing from jail. And like I said, I couldn't even, I wasn't even in jail. I was doing volunteer work and I couldn't, I was so annoyed that I was like, eh, I'm not getting involved in that, but he's still doing all this stuff. And when he's in jail, that's after he was shipwrecked three times. He was beaten with sticks. He was how Jesus was flogged from an inch of his life. That happened to Paul three times. He was bitten by poisonous snakes and he's still writing all the, taking the time I think in Corinthians, he talks about how he takes time to meet with everybody individually, especially like new believers, as he calls them. He's writing these letters of love and patience and trying to help us. Letters that we have to this day. And it's just um, like, talk about the poetry and his deeds. Forget the harsh words that he has sometimes. Um, because the, um, the divine side of Jesus is important, but so is the human side. So like... We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, it's all or nothing. It's either he's all God and all man, or we're not accepting any of it because we can't learn from any of it. Because um, we're told to love the Lord with our heart, mind, soul, sh our heart, soul, strength, and our mind. So engaging in this outside thought is that's not wrong. That's not a bad thing. That's we're told to to do that, to use our mind to think on these things. So that's why, as Becca said, like sometimes our, our doubt is our biggest faith. Like, you know, Thomas isn't condemned in the Bible because he doesn't believe. He's condemned in sermons in, you know, 2020 uh, about doubting Thomas and everything like that. But he's not condemned by Jesus or anything like that. Um, and then the, you know, to end it, 
I'll, I'll I'll paraphrase it, but in the the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, what really happened, like what happens, spoiler alert for anyone that didn't see this movie that's like forty five years old or something, um, uh, what happens is Jesus is crucified, and then an angel comes down, takes him off the cross. He goes, he just leaves, and he grows old, and he has a family. And he has a wife and he make lo- he makes love and he's got kids and he go and he just grows old and then um you know times get turbulent and he bumps into Paul and Paul is like um who, like who are you like you're you're Jesus you're the reason why like people are dying this you know, like you're pathetic like who are you and um Paul says in that scene he's like you know what I'm glad I met you because it shows me Basically, kind of saying, um, like, you're you're like pathetic. Like what I'm seeing right now is pathetic, and my Jesus, the one that I'm teaching, the one that moved moves me, like that's more important than you. Like basically, like the idea of you, because you got off that cross, is more important than you in itself. Like so, basically, like screw you, because my Jesus is is bigger than that and more important. And, you know, and then, of course, it, when it cuts, Jesus is still on the cross and all that temptation was just in his mind of how he would just love to, like, get off the cross, you know, call down legions of angels. Um, so that was his last temptation, which is great because, you know, in the when he's in the wilderness, the Bible says that, you know, the Satan will come to tempt him again at the, a more opportune time. And so when you're breathing your last breaths, what a temptation would be to be like, no, you're God, just get off the cross. Like, what, what the hell are you thinking? And um, so, but that's the idea I want to end on is because, again, you know, for me personally, I do believe in the divine side of Jesus. I, I do believe, I think it's a historical book, a book of poetry, a library. Um, I don't believe, I think there's a lot of metaphor, but for me personally, I believe in, in the Bible um, as as is. Um but it also doesn't matter. Like the Jesus that we get from seeing the poetry of his deeds and his actions and the not only the red letters that he says, but the black letters of his actions, like that's more important than any real thing because like that could help if it helps us keep it. If it doesn't, then throw it away, right? If your right eye offends you, cast it out. And that's the same thing. If if you're running into stuff and it's it's not helping you, then get rid of it. But if it helps you, whether it's Jesus Christ Superstar, whether it's Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Futurama, I don't, I don't know, like punk music. If it if it helps you and it focuses you and it helps you think of God or or act in a certain way, then that Jesus is more important than any Jesus that's going to tell you hate gay people, <laughs> you know, like because that's not that's not true and that's not the case. And so that's why I want to end it on that um, note from Paul. It's a great movie. Um and Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, I always recommend. Um, if you want to engage in that and thinking in those terms. So we'll end it right there. I hope that was good and I hope it ended on a, a good note. But um, Thomas, thank you for, for tuning in. And uh, I'm glad that you like Last Temptation of Christ, the book and the movie. I still have to read the book in its entirety, um, which I, ha- I was showing I have it right here. It's a, it's a neat copy of it too. Look at that. Um, but... Um, I, yeah, please, you know, it'll be available on Facebook and uh, YouTube. So um, I hope you like 
uh, listening. Uh, it's it's a bit unconventional because it's just me, but I will gladly stick around if we want to have a bit of an afterglow. If people want to push back, if they want to ask questions, if they want to share their thoughts, um, we could go. We could <laughs> even if it's not about this, if it's about some things that might be happening with uh with revolution still if you want to talk about movies and talk about yo-yos we'll do it all we'll do it all so everyone thank you i'm glad that you guys tuned in and stuck around and didn't see that it wasn't jay and we're like oh control alt delete oh, backspace backspace so i really appreciate it so um thank you and uh i'm glad that it came together it was a bit of a rush but I said I turn on Jesus Christ Superstar and it gets me thinking in like different ways. Man, I love it. I love it. I I'm a I'm a sucker for the movie version. I know it was a an album first and a play, but the movie version is well. <laughs> Why, thank you, Jessica. <laughs> That's my wife. My wife. So um I do work well under pressure. Speaking of David Bowie. But the uh I wish that I could have that same focus when I have all the time in the world. You know, if I was given three weeks to work on this, I would probably still wait. Maybe not the day before, but I would uh, <laughs> not do so. Zor I do want to see uh, read Zora the Greek. Um, I, I have a bad habit of collecting books faster than I could read them, as my wife could tell you. <laughs> and so, um, but it's on the list. I, I have dreams of just sitting down and reading, and then I'll read like, you know, 50 pages and I'm like oh, I'm so tired and but I have gone on crazy benders where I'll read a book in like uh, less than a day <laughs> I think I read the last Harry Potter book in less than 24 hours but the arena version of Jesus Christ Superstar um, I saw one version on TV is this the same one Steve where um, when they do the the 39 lashes it's people running out with like red paint on their hands and just covering his body with each. That was like one of the most powerful things. It was crazy. Um, oh, hedonism. <laughs> so he's my favorite character in Futurama. Hedonism, but oh, how delightfully decadent. Um, nice. There's a movie too, right? Zora the Greek. But uh, so Steve, I might have seen the arena version on TV if that's the one that I'm referring to. I saw one with John Legend, um, which they made, they made a mistake in that the movie got right. And I don't know when the movie came out, it might've been very controversial to have Judas be black, but I have to say nobody sings as well as him. So he should have the best singing role. So that's the way I look at it. I don't know if I'm being naive there, but man, the way he could sing, but the reason why the John Legend one on TV got it wrong is because like, oh, let's give the best singer is, you know, John Legend. So we'll give him Jesus's role. And you're like, oh, I know John Legend is nice and soft and he looks like the Arthur cartoon, right? Because he just got all those like nice soft features and he's heartwarming. And that's a very good characteristic for Jesus. But the best voice should go to Judas. Best role. I'll have to look at the arena version, but is that the one with the, um, there's one I saw, I forgot who was on it and it was the craziest thing with, cause the, the trial scene for, um, Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar, they count out 39 lashes, which 
there's a uh, a podcast I was listening to. It was called it's called Good Christian Fun. It might be um fun to have Jay on it, but they it's not. I think the people that run it are Christians, but they're not. But they're still kind of poking fun at um the at at the, the culture of Christian art and music and everything. But they talk about Jesus Christ Superstar, and they were they compared it to the movie Passion of the Christ and how. There's something, even though Passion of the Christ tried to be so visceral and gory and horrific, that there's something more, like, heart-wrenching in, like, the song doesn't cut out. They literally count 39 lashes, and you hear the whip sound, and it's just like, and in the movie, you're seeing it. You're seeing the whole thing happen, even though it's not gory and stuff. Um, And it is just, so there's really something to... um, to that and i forgot how i got on that tangent with jesus christ superstar so i'll think about it uh constantly all day every day but um oh so that version with the so in this arena version i believe it's the same one that steve's mentioning they have um each lash because it's counted out one through 39 there's no cutting there's no fast forward anything but instead of doing a whip because it's a live version it's hard to fake they had people like with red paint on their hands and so they would just smear red handprints across his whole body it was like super powerful it was awesome and it's funny because the the book uh the musical is written from a place of jesus being human so it's like i don't know if they're trying to reach the type of like powerful imagery that you would get in like a uh, easter cantata or something like that from a big mega church but i don't know whatever they did i was like wow that was that was it's also a very clever way of doing it but man just the implications of it too, from a Christian mindset um, of, you know, all I've sinned and stuff like that. And so it was really awesome. So, but thank you for that. Yeah. I'd see um, it's starting to, to dwindle down a bit. So if uh, anyone has any final words or, or anything, so yes, Steve Peters. Yes, I have. I was in a, production of Godspell in high school that my sister still plagues me with. And I was in seventh grade because I had a line that was like, I'm only in seventh grade and it's followed me all through high school. And now this year is my 20th reunion from high school. Um, and my sister will still bring up that, but yes, it's a very, that's the gospel of Matthew, right? So he's very warm, loving. He's a clown, right? In suspenders. And it's, um, I, I want to revisit the movie because I only saw the movie once and it seemed kind of cheesy. But then I was hearing uh, in that same podcast, one of my favorite comedians and podcasters, Paul F. Tompkins, was talking about Godspell. And he said that the musical of Jesus Christ Superstar was better, but he felt that the movie Godspell technically was better, which blows my mind. Because when I watch Jesus Christ Superstar, I love movies from the 70s, like late 60s and mid or to mid 70s. Um, I absolutely, um, love that time, um, frame in movies. So the fact that he was saying that Jesus Christ Superstar wasn't as good as Godspell, like I have to revisit it, but yes, I was, I was, I sang, uh, you got to learn your lessons. Well, first you got to read them, then you got to heat them. You never know when you're going to need them. So, um, but the, <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I'm sure, but it's, um, 
I like the guy that played Jesus. Uh, I forgot the actor's name, but he was in an episode of 30 Rock. He, he was an alias. He's very famous, but he was the guy that played Jesus was in the TV show 30 Rock, and he was the guy. He ran a wool company, so he was like, ah, oh, that's very wool, not very wool. <laughs> it's, it's cool. Um, and so I think he, from what I, I might be thinking of someone else, but from what I hear too, is he, he was kind of an inspiration in the acting community because he was, you know, very, uh, openly gay actor and it didn't like hinder his career at all. So I think people found that very inspirational. Yes. Victor Gerber. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, so that's great. And I think, Hey, you know what? That's a real, that's a great presence that you want to have for a character that plays Jesus too, that even his legacy of who he is as an actor inspires people <laughs> outside of the movie Godspell. Um, and so he's, uh, but yeah, that's, um, the, I still will get ch um, chills with the uh, like, prepare ye, um, and the end with the long live God. And then that comes in again. And it's very funny because since that movie is like, kind of, it's like cutesy and it's kind of like a kid's movie almost where it's not, not really, but you, it kind of has that like seventies, um, like, um, Sesame street vibe to it type thing. Um, so, but that was seen as like a safer, like good thing. Cause it was the literal text from it, but the movie, um, just like Jesus Christ superstar does not tell the story of the resurrection. And that's someone's, that's a lot of people's main critiques on Jesus Christ superstar is that it doesn't go uh, same with last temptation of Christ, um, that it does not go into the resurrection but it clearly has to be more than that because they don't accept – they accept it from Godspell. But, you know, in Godspell, usually in the the play production, when the music picks up again, they'll lift him up over their head as they're carrying him out, which kind of symbolizes a resurrection. And I think in the movie, they turn the corner of the World Trade Center maybe, and then the city's full of life when it was just only them, the whole movie. Um, so there's things like that. But then at the same time, um, I think it was a – stroke of luck but jesus christ superstar i think the last scene there's like a shepherd walking his flock and i think that was like unintended so that has the same connotation but nor does the passion of the christ because that's a uh <laughs> torture porn horror movie that's the way i look at it. it's like basically like a saw movie but they do show him stand up and he's got a hole in his hand and then it cuts to black but you could tell that that was only put in there as to because that's the number one complaint people have of these movies um, so there's just put in as like a, it could have almost been like a post credit scene, like in a Marvel movie or something. But yeah, I, I remember seeing the passion of the Christ in theaters. Cause I was in a Christian college. Um, I think I got interviewed by some news thing cause it was super controversial at the time. And at the time I thought it was, it was good. Like, because I was caught up in the emotion of it and I was younger and it, it just kind of indoctrinated in this Christian environment where I had to go to church three times a week. And then if I didn't go on Sunday too, I was still seen as a slacker. Um, but then when I tried to rewatch it again, I was like, Oh God, this is, it's like also not just not a good movie. Um, and I do not really like Mel Gibson because he's turned into kind of like, you know, a scumbag, even though he might be making his way back. But, um, as a director, I mean, I liked Apocalypto a lot. I thought that was a great movie. So it's not really his directing. It was just not that good of a movie. I don't think. Especially when I'm comparing it to like Last Temptation of Christ or uh, Jesus Christ Superstar or even uh, Godspell. So, but yes, By the Willows there. It's a great song. 
day by day. Day by day is a good one too. They, I, I like the one where it's um, Jesus, Jesus and John the Baptist, and they're doing that kind of like vaudeville. When you feel sad, or under a spell, and they're go singing at the same time. I like that that too. Um, and it's very interesting that they have like the same player person play John the Baptist and Judas. Very cool. I like that. I feel like it says something cool there. Um, but I don't know. It was probably just to save money on casting. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's something that kind of follows them around. And it's cool. So, but that was, I mean, I should probably end this now. Because, Steve, I could talk this stuff with you all day. <laughs> so, and I hope that we will get to talk uh, about it more. But just for the sake of anybody that's still watching and and, <laughs> and me editing probably a lot of this stuff out. Because I don't know if people want to hear me do three second renditions of god's bell songs uh i'll see when i'm editing it so but thank you everyone that's still here watching um i'm glad that i was able to meet with you and have this discussion and have this talk so uh i'm gonna end this now uh i believe steve put a link um to the the donation page for revolution if people could donate that'd be great you know uh revolution does want people more than your money, but there is some truth of the matter in which money is needed to keep this going. Um, Jay went into that more um, a week or two ago, so I don't want to do too much talk because that's kind of like out of my my league. I shouldn't speak on behalf of the finances stuff, but um, please, if you donate, that would be great. Um, you know, keeps... Uh, money coming in helps pay for the expenses of the church and and Jay um and what he does on his end so it was very fun talking i really love the opportunity thomas so uh thank you everybody and uh, i hope to be able to do it again soon and uh i don't know i don't know what movie we'll talk about then <laughs> maybe we'll talk about a a play by Cormac McCarthy so um but yes thank you so i'm going to end it now and um everybody have a great sunday and um, I will probably talk to you guys sometime um, in another service. So everyone have a great day. Thanks again. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. 